Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Welcome to City of God. Today on the podcast, we have Brad Merchant. He is the pastor of leadership development at College Park Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. He is a friend of mine, very keen thinker, sharp guy. Brad, it is terrific to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Owen. Good to be with you, man. Yeah, you and I have talked about a number of things over the last few years. One of the most important to you and me both has been the work of Cal Newport. Cal Newport wrote the book, Deep Work. We connected over that initially and have had a profitable conversation after that initial connection. Newport just came out with a new book entitled Digital Minimalism, Choosing a Focused Life in a Noisy World, in which he says this explosive statement. The tycoons of social media have to stop pretending that they're friendly nerd gods building a better world and admit they're just tobacco farmers in t-shirts selling an addictive product to children. Because let's face it, checking your likes is the new smoking. That is quite a quotation, Brad. What do you make of Newport's explosive statement there? Absolutely. I I think Newport is capturing something in words that we all feel but don't know how to express. Mm. Uh, This is something that we talk about a lot at our our church and other churches that I have spoken on this topic. And I think one of the key things to understand, and that I've taken from Newport's book, is this, that technology is a dangerous gift from God. Mm. Now, and I, I say that, um, and, and I need to explain some nuance in that statement. First, I say gift, because we know that technology is an expression of God's common grace towards all people. Mm. I mean, just think about it. Because of technology, we're able to communicate with people all over the world. We're able to advance causes for social good. We can pay our bills without using a single piece of paper. And Owen, for you and I, we get to watch the NBA playoffs, which oh. is there anything great, greater than that? I don't think there is. Oh, man. And, 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 I, and I think that we need to have a right understanding that technology is a gift that we should receive with thanks to God that he's given it to us to not only build up the body of Christ, but to just be a good gift that we enjoy. But I say that technology is a dangerous gift from God because, like any gift of God, it can easily become a destructive idol. In fact, I love the way John Piper captures this when he writes, smartphones are dangerous, like marriage and music and fine cuisine or anything else that can become an idol. But then he says they are also very useful, like guns and razor blades and medical cannabis or lots of other things that can ruin your life. (laughs) In other words, I think pastors need to help their people understand that technology is a good gift from God. We we don't need to become, as one of my friends says, technologically Amish. However, we also need to help people understand that technology is like a handsaw. When used wisely, it can be able to use be used to create beautiful things, but mm-hmm. if you're not careful, it can cut your hand off. And I think that's exactly what Newport is getting at, that often it's not us using technology, often it is technology using us. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, and I like that Newport's formulation puts in visceral terms what many of us have experienced, but I I don't think have necessarily captured in a sentence, and that is that this is not merely a little bit addicting for many of us. Many of us really and truly are enmeshed in our devices, and we are losing ourselves in them. I made the point 
uh, a couple weeks back on this podcast that in truth, if we are constantly distracted by a smartphone or a tablet or whatever, but usually a smartphone, then we need to actually rethink the very nature of distraction because distraction implies that you are generally focused on something and then being led away, you know, by the moment uh, to other things, intermittently, that is. But if you're constantly uh, checking your smartphone, for example, I'm not sure that you're distracted by it. I think you might have actually shifted your very focus from, you know, work or family or God, your devotions, whatever it may be, to your smartphone. Do you think that's accurate? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, several years back, there's a book that you're familiar with by Nicholas Carr titled The Shallows, What the Internet Mm. is Doing to Our Brains. And uh, he talks exactly about what you're getting at. He he says that the Internet is chipping away at our capacity for concentration and contemplation. And, And he has this line that's just always stuck with me. He says, once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words. But now, because of the Internet age, I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. Now, think of that picture. We tend to be people that we, we, we don't like to read books anymore. Uh, I was just reading a book recently called uh, Reader Come Home about reading in the midst of a digital age. And the author argues that people don't like to read books anymore because it requires deep concentration. And what the Internet has done is it's eroded our ability to contemplate and to concentrate on something that's in front of us. Now, we need to to take this, okay, how does that apply to the Church? And something I I try to talk to our people about quite a bit is I want them to understand that technology is indeed eroding their ability to contemplate. And here's how I often put it. Glancing at your screen makes it hard to stare at your Bible. So if you are continually thinking about... um, who, who liked my recent Instagram post, who, yes. who retweeted my recent tweet, or who looked at my recent cute baby picture um, on Facebook, you're not going to be able to stare deeply into the Word of God in the morning devotions or in the evening devotions or whenever you get in front of your Bible. And as a result, we don't become like Jesus like we could because of our, our smartphones. So I think for people that are listening to this, we, we just all need to understand that the question isn't, is technology changing me? We don't have to ask that question anymore. The question is, how has technology changed me? And I think one of the biggest ways is it's eroded our ability to contemplate. I agree with you completely, and I love the way you just framed that, because for you, the important thing is not contemplation and meditation in a general, broad sense. It's not actually just about being able to think uh, deeply in that sort of thing, valuable as that is in both of our uh, conceptions, I'm sure. But actually, you're leading with the Word of God. So you're saying, you're front-loading, and you're saying the Word of God is the most important aspect of our life. We need to take it in like lungs need to take in oxygen, and so we should formulate our days and, and approach technology in such a way that we are best able to take in the Word of God. That's exactly why I wanted to talk to you, because you you think keenly and write as well about technology, Brad, but you do it as a Christian and as a pastor of people. You're watching a lot of people there in Indy, pastor at a large church, and you're watching a lot of people, I'm sure, be very much influenced and even potentially swept away 
by these technologies, by the tidal wave that Carr says that he is surfing. And you are doing your best to not just say, hey, let's approach technology, you know, a little more carefully. Here are a few little bitty tips. You're saying we've got to reorganize the way we think about technology such that we are best equipping ourselves to be able to take in the Word of God. I think that's so wise. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and I, and I think what's helpful for me to understand as a pastor is that for a large majority of our church, this is a new problem. I mean, think yeah. about some of these stats. In 1995, laptops were created. I mean, and we thought this was awesome. People would carry around a computer that weighed about 50 pounds. I mean, you didn't need to go to the gym <laughs> because you had a laptop. In 1996, email first became a thing. I mean, this just totally blew our minds. Now, now get this. Mm-hmm. This year, sophomore in colleges were born in 1998. That was the same year that Google was created. I mean, no one Googled before then. In fact, if you were over at someone's house and they said, hey, I wonder who was president in such and such year, and you said, I don't know, I'll Google that, Mm -hmm. that's weird. You're never getting invited back to that house. (laughs) Nobody Googled. But now Google is just a part of our normal category. Um, Think about text messaging. Started in 1998, Facebook, 2004, YouTube, 2005, Twitter, 2006, and on and on we can go. And I think what's helpful helpful for pastors to remember is that this tidal wave of digital enhancement in our culture is a relatively new thing, and we need to help our people think through the implications of it. It's just another thing that we need to help shepherd our people into thinking about, because like I said earlier, if we are not careful in thinking intentionally about how we're going to use technology we will inevitably be the people that are being used by the technology we deceive ourselves into thinking that we indeed are using. So I think we just need to help people think through all of the recent changes and the implications it has on our everyday lives, for sure. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's completely accurate, that uh, as you were saying a few minutes ago, technology is a dangerous gift from God. That was your exact phrase, and I think that's exactly right. Technology does not have to be uh, negative and bad because, uh, I mean, people are listening to this podcast, obviously, through very sophisticated technology. You and I are not, you know, making the waves go through the air at this very given moment so that we can That's hear right. one another, right, and, and people can stream this. I mean, we're, we're the beneficiaries here of very sophisticated technology in order to get out this podcast, sermons, uh, et cetera, and so on. And yet, we do need to note as well that we are facing new challenges today. And you and I, by the way, are probably somewhat midstream with these kind of technologies, but you think about children growing up in this day and age, you know, five-year-olds and what is coming their way and just how technological their life will be. It's a little bit disconcerting to think in those terms. We're reminded of the need, I think, to very much train our youth along these lines. I I was thinking not merely about Bible reading here, but also about prayer. Uh, it is so hard to pray when you are technology-addicted, smartphone-addicted. You Seriously, listeners out there who might doubt what I'm saying uh, should do a test. And, um, you know, in a given day when you're dipping in and out of your computer and your phone and all sorts of other things, then set aside time to go on a walk outside on your lunch break and pray. Uh, we're not even going to talk about, you know, Martin Luther, George Mueller levels of prayer here. Okay. 10 minutes of prayer, 
15 minutes of prayer and see how many times you instinctually reach for your phone. It will shock you. It, will, it, it has shocked me, and that's another major concern, I think, for us as well. Absolutely. You know, Owen, we, we seldom do anything well when we are in a hurry. I have, I have found that to be true in my life, especially in regards to prayer. Um, in, in fact, the Navy SEALs are trained with this phrase, that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. They are mm-hmm. taught that if you are in a hurry, you will end up making mistakes that could cost the lives of your comrades. That's good. And so one of the things that I often um, talk to people in my church about is the implications of using technology in regards to prayer. And one of the bad fruits, I think, of technology, especially in the smartphone age, is that of hurry. We, we are constantly wanting to move from one thing to the next. And part of that hurry, I think, stems from um, a, a fear of man that has been stemmed from us idolizing and even being envious of the lives that we see on social media. In fact, Adele Calhoun, in her excellent little book, Spiritual Disciplines, she writes this. She says, afraid of being late, we rush from the past to the future. The present moment becomes a crack between what we did and what we have yet to do. It is virtually lost to us. And then, and then she says this. We don't get to our futures any faster if we hurry. And we certainly don't become better people in haste. More likely than not, the faster we go, the less we become. And I think the smartphone age has dialed up the treadmill of our lives, that we are constantly running from one thing to another. We constantly want to see what's happening all over our world, all in our friends' lives. And what we need to do is just from time to time, like you said, put down the screen, get out in nature, and pray. And just enjoy creation. Enjoy God in communion with Him through His Word. And and I think that's important for us to, to think about and to help other people think about is because we often don't realize we're in a hurry mm-hmm. until someone tells us that we are. And uh, I think that's one of the bad fruits that we've seen from this technological age that we need to, as pastors, help people think through in order to be a people of prayer, for sure. Man, that's, that's rich. We, we go to our smartphones and to our very modern technologies in part because we want this hopped-up life. We are, kind of, we are kind of tech junkies, all of us, um, moment junkies, you could say, moving from you know, pop culture crisis to pop culture crisis, whether it's political, entertainment, sports, whatever it may be, you know, these, these sort of peak, yeah. peak moments. And, and I think your, your words make me realize just how addicted we are becoming to this kind of very exciting... Uh, burst-driven life, when in reality, Brad, I mean, the rhythms of ministry, you're in pastoral ministry, I'm in teaching ministry, we're, we're in the Christian ministry together here, but the rhythms of ministry in both the local church at the forefront of Christ's kingdom and, and the seminary, which serves the local church in training pastors and ministry workers, these these are places of slow rhythms primarily. It's not to say there's never you know, a, a quick burst day or something like this, a lot happening. That's that's surely true in ministry. But most of the time, um, discipleship in particular, Matthew 28, 16 to 20, discipleship, is not, it, it's not formula one kind of work. It's basic. That's right. It's simple. It's often ordinary and anonymous 
frankly, in a moment-by-moment sense, it's usually thankless. That's not to say we're not storing up rewards for the last day as Christians in Christ. Uh, We are, uh, only by God's grace. We are storing up rewards by faithful obedience to God, powered by His grace. And yet, moment by moment, Brad, most people are not standing outside our windows, you know, as we craft a sermon or as we talk with somebody for the 25th time about battling their sin and cheering us on. Mm. Most of the time, if even our spouse knows about this at the end of the day, that's unusual. There's just a lot that's ordinary, humble, and thankless. And if we're not careful, we can get addicted to that hurried life that you were just speaking of. That's right. Yeah, and you know, in addition to that, something I've, I've also seen is social media in particular has totally distorted our view of friendship. Mm. Um, I just read an incredible book recently that I'd recommend to all of your listeners, and that is Made for Friendship by Drew Hunter. He's a pastor here in Indianapolis, a dear friend of mine. Mm. And, and he talks about a biblical theology of friendship. How does the Bible speak about friendship, and how did ancient church heroes of ours throughout history speak about friendship? And one of the things that I think he keens in on rightly mm. is how social media gives us the appearance of genuine friendship, when really we are just accumulating acquaintances that we deceive ourselves into thinking are friends. You know, J.C. Ryle has this excellent quote, as per usual, and he says that friendship halves our sorrows but doubles our joys. Wow. You know, Owen, if that's the case, I would say that social media doubles our anxieties. We, we are constantly um, wanting to feel close to people through a screen, but it is not possible. We are embodied people. Read the New Testament, in particular, 1 Corinthians 15, and you can't come away and tell me that um, we are somehow not embodied people. We are meant to live in a community called the Church, face-to-face, living life with others. We rejoice with one another. We weep with one another. And I just don't think that we're able to do that as God meant us to through the screen. And as a result, as you hinted at earlier, we're seeing more and more, especially in students, high school students in particular, are more depressed and anxious now than ever before. And I think there's a correlation between social media and this distorted view of friendship that we desperately need to reclaim in the Church. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're dead right. Um, we've got to wrap it up here, but I would I would just say, in drafting off of that, that parents, I think, need to think much more deeply than many of us are about emerging technologies and entrenched technologies, in particular with our children. We need to recognize that our children are not merely in danger of being distracted, to repeat myself. Our children are in danger of living uh, anxious, anxious. Uh, hurried along, non-contemplative, non-God-focused lives by virtue of the dangerous gifts that are everywhere around us. Neither you nor I are anti-technology, and yet I fear that many pastors are simply, for example, assuming that your average Christian father or mother is going to have this sort of lengthy course of discipleship they're going to offer their kids with regard to technology, and I don't think this kind of thinking is being done in many homes, 
And I don't think many pastors, by the way, are, are modeling this kind of discipleship in their pulpit. So I'm so encouraged to know that you are doing this deep thinking and you're doing it at an influential church and you're helping people navigate, again, the dangerous gift. I, I commend you for that. I'm very thankful to know of that. That's right. Yes. And, and Owen, you, you got it. More churches need to do this, and especially parents, you know. And whenever I'm with parents, I always just give them three quick questions. Hey, you need to talk to your kids. If they're thinking about social media, mm-hmm. three questions you need to ask. Number one, what's your purpose in using it? We talked about earlier. If you don't ask that question, you're, in, you're going to end up being used by technology. Number two, mm-hmm. what is your plan for using it? You know, the best time to create guardrails is before the road is open, not while you're already on it. So, so let's create some barriers for using this technology. And then number three, will me using this technology ultimately bring glory to God and make me more like Jesus? You know, and at the end of the day, whatever we're doing, if, if that's not happening, don't do it. Yes. And so these are questions I think that pastors need to be talking about, and uh, certainly we need to be talking with our children about in the home as well. Well, Brad, it has been fantastic talking with you. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Appreciate your ministry very much. And uh, my prayer with you, I think we can safely say here, is that the church will not be swept uh, away or swept along by the virtual tide that is washing over us, but that we will, as Christians have had to do in every age, in different ways and from different angles, take dominion of our world, uh, not be reactive and defensive and, and defeated, certainly, but, uh, but be wise and self-controlled and steward the good gifts of God for his glory. So thank you for being on the podcast today, and uh, appreciate your work. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man. Midwestern Seminary's Doctor of Philosophy degree program is designed to equip leaders interested in building up the church. The Ph.D. Biblical Studies program at Midwestern Seminary provides opportunities for advanced research and preparation in theology in an environment passionate about God's primary plan for the advancement of the gospel, the local church. Choose from multiple emphases and let your advanced degree open up new opportunities for ministry in our rapidly changing world. With our modular program of study, you can remain in your current ministry setting. But we've also recently introduced the residency, an experiential component to the PhD track, where local doctoral students receive one-on-one coaching and mentoring and a community context in which to bolster their studies. Get your PhD today for the church.